It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the college basketball edition, the final one for the 2020-2021 season. As we uh, conclude things, and we've got a lot to conclude with, I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Boring from MusketeerReport.com, Chad Brendel from BearcatJournal.com. And let's start with obviously the main news of the uh, the last few weeks and certainly of the weekend, and that is that John Brandon terminated as UC head coach. Uh, obviously, Chad, I'm going to start with you on this. Uh, where do we stand from a cause perspective of this firing, and where do we stand with a lawsuit perspective of this firing, and where do we stand with a financial settlement of this firing? Uh, heck if I know, <laughs> essentially, like, um, it's it, from what we've been told, he was fired for cause. Right. Uh, now it sounds like, uh, there was some wording in the, I haven't seen the document. Uh, all we've seen is what Tom Mars has put out, but right. from what Tom Mars says, there was wording that is, uh, basically says that UC has not completed their investigation, that the investigation is ongoing. Um, and that, you know, things will will play out uh, over time. So um, for cause is, is the firing. I found it interesting that uh, UC did not say they fired him. Right. They said they parted ways. Right. I, I well, found they said he was re- they said he was relieved of his relieved duties. His I duties. Mean, that's yeah. Fine. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they didn't actually, you know, the word fired was not used. Correct. Uh, they softened the blow, if you will. <laughs> um. So, I mean, that, that's where we're at on that front. I, I don't see any resolution in sight uh, on that. I mean, I'm sure at some point you're going to see Brandon file a lawsuit to, uh, to contest uh, being fired for cause. I, I, I want, I like, I would, I guess that probably wouldn't happen until the official like findings of cause are released. Right. right. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a lawyer, nor did I stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. So, all right, so, uh, so so are are we at the level of what he's done so far? And you're right, the investigation is not over, so that's a big part of this. But as we sit here on a Sunday night doing this podcast, knowing what we know, was there enough cause? And especially when they tried to reach a settlement and he said, thank you, but no thank you. I haven't seen anything that would lead me to believe that, that, that there's cause, but I, you know, UC has not played their hand. We do not know what they have. So I, I can't say for certain that, that what they have is or isn't cause. I can say from what I've seen, uh, I don't believe that to be enough to be cause. All right. So, 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 yeah. So on that same vein, and again, we're all kind of jumping ahead, myself included, but I have to ask it. If you see tried to reach a settlement with John for seven figures, which, as Tom Mars has alleged that, that John turned down, does that sound like cause or does that sound like I'm trying to make you go away? Cause if you think you have cause, why would you pay anybody anything? Um, yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like you see that some, if, if, the, if there was you uh, see offering a settlement, it sounds like they wanted to make it go away. Right. Um, but He's, we knew John wasn't going to do that. Right. He said, I, you, you can give me seven, seven figures, but I want the 5.25 seven, seven figures that you owe me. And I get that. Right. Man, Rick, your thoughts, if any, at this point of the juncture, uh, I don't think anyone really cares what I think, whether there was cause, whether there wasn't, what have you. I mean, that, you know, that stuff's going to continue to play out and it's not really my spot to weigh in. I don't think the, I guess what I would add to the conversation is talking to other coaches around the region. Some of the guys I know and have talked to the thing I heard from pretty much everyone, you know, whether they knew John, like John, had any type of relationship with them at all was the same thing from everyone. That's it's a dark day in coaching. They, they, all of them kind of feel like basically what happened here was some kids didn't like the way he was coaching. So they went to an AD and without any type of discussion with the coach, any back and forth, any let's settle this together, or come to a resolution. They just got rid of him. And for that to happen after two years of, Maybe not the success they would have liked, but I mean, there is definitely some things to point to that wasn't awful. Uh, yeah, they, they did. Uh, I mean, it's not the type of 
resume you would normally get fired for in terms of performance on the court in your first two years, especially considering the circumstances that took place this year. So I think that's basically what I've heard over the last few days is just that a lot of coaches feel this is a really, really bad deal for coaches. And they're worried about what this means going forward and the way things might be changing in our country and the trickle down effect it has at the college sports level. Um, I I would say, I mean, I would say also Rick in that light, and this this isn't a directed shot at John Cunningham, but I, I think it's reality. This is what you ha- what, what happens when HR is running the show, right? Right. You have a compliance guy as an athletic director. This is what compliance guys do. Like the, this is this is their existence. And I mean, to an extent, me, but it, it's it seems a little weird still to me that there was just no. Like if you're doing everything by the book and all that, it just seems like there would be some type of trying to work not, with not, the coach. Now. Not once there's an investigation started. Well, I'm not, but I mean, before you, you even get to no, that but, point, no, but, it's just but, a little no, surprising hang on, hang, if there's yeah, no communication at all about it. Right. You know? Yeah. As I say, Rick, it, once players come to an AD and level accusations, that's fine. That's all well and good. But don't you go back to the coach and go, hey, these guys are saying this. I, I think we think like that. I don't think compliance or HR per like to, to put it in a, a layman's term. So I don't think they think like that. So they I'm going to say isolate the, 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 the problem and, and deal with it and then handle the problem based on what you've discovered. At some point, don't you think as an AD that you go back to the coach and go, Hey, here's what they're saying. What can you tell me? Do I think that? Yes. Do even, I think no, that they should think that first? Do I well, think that's how well, a compliance person's brain operates? No, that's not that's how a compliance how person's brain operates. If they're trying to force a coach out and railroad, right. and that, that, I mean, and let's, like, let's be fact. That's the point. And that's yeah. the point. This yes. was a plan uh, put in place long ago by John that. Cunningham. No, I know you're not. I know you're not. I, and I don't know yeah. where the relationship went south between those two, but it's very clear John Cunningham did not want John Brandon in charge anymore for whatever reason. Whether that was to make Correct. his own hire and no, no make a splash as an AD, or he just didn't like him and the relationship was terrible. I have no idea what happened. But I think, I mean, if we're just looking at the facts, like best looking at this from a best case scenario from UC and Johnny Cun- Cunningham's perspective, you have just ran a public smear campaign with anonymous sources through the media and leaks to against your own head coach so you could force him out without pay. Yeah. You're now going to go into a lawsuit battle with him. You have fired a head coach after two years for a situation where typically you wouldn't have fired a coach based on their performance. And you have put out nothing in the public eye that actually would suggest you have cause to do so at this point. So that's like looking at it from a positive perspective, even if you believe they were doing all the right things, those are the facts that we know right now about what just happened. I'm not saying they're doing the right things. I'm saying that. No, I know. How, I know. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not judging. I, I'm not putting that on you. I'm just saying in general, like yeah, if yeah. we're looking at it from the best case scenario from UC's perspective and you believe everything they did was proper and they needed to do this, which I think reasonable people can come to that conclusion, but that's still the facts that we know right now and in the public, that's what's being said. Yeah. No argument there. All right. So... At this point, though, John Cunningham has also potentially exposed UC to a huge, huge number financially. Potentially, yeah. Not the 5.25, but maybe more than that. I don't know that it'll be more than that, but... If you besmirch the guy's (laughs) reputation, man. Yeah, but there's no defamation. Like, UC hasn't released anything. There's been no official statements other than we're investigating allegations. Fair enough. Yeah, that's really... I I don't know where... From everything I've heard, that's really hard to win, too. Yeah, it is. Oh, it's extraordinarily hard to win. It's it's literally you have to you have to have now a malice in your in your thought process. And it, the funny part is, now, it seems like they have malice in their thought process. But yes, it's very hard to prove. Yes. Now, Tom Mars is probably going to go that route. That seems to be the like case. I'm sure they're going to explore it, but that doesn't mean that that it's a winning. Uh, <laughs> formula. I, I defamation would be really difficult. Yeah. In this case, Agreed. now Agreed. getting a large chunk of that five point two five million dollars, or all of it, or all of it, still seems pretty reasonable. Yeah, it seems extraordinarily reasonable. So at that point, then, um, so you've you've exposed your athletic department to that number when you didn't want to pay that to make him go away. That that seems awful dicey, man. 
Well, I guess the, the flip side of that would be like it, it was either you win. Pay, pay that or nothing or pay that or pay something less than that to begin with. Because you, you accomplished or you, you, you did ultimately fire him. So, right. you know, if he gets his 5.25 million, that's what was owed to him in his contract to begin with. You tried to get out of it. Yeah, but you got you, lawyer. You don't you got, get out of it. You got a lot of lawyer fees involved there, my man. Yeah. If you don't get out of it, then you know you have exposed yourself to uh, a lot of unnecessary crap. When if you just wanted to fire him, you should have just fired him. Like that's that's what for me. That's what this comes down to. Okay, you 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 don't like the guy. You think that you need to move move on and, and go in a different direction at a head coach. There's a contract. There's a way to follow that contract, and that's to pay him his money to go away. I, I don't like, based on what we know, maybe there's something in there that we have no idea. I, mm. I, I don't, I, you know, who knows? But based on what we know, just pay him his money and, and go away. Yeah. Like, that's that's where this thing, I think, is, you know, kind of. Yeah, like a big-time it, AD that wants to get rid of their coach goes to the fundraising route gets the private donors or whoever they have to get to get the money and they pay the coach to go away. That's how this is done at a high level. I mean, that's that's the reality. And I understand maybe if that's not something UC could have done. So this is the route he felt he had to go, but that's why it's the route you take. That's the, that's the reason people are going to look at it and say, what the hell happened here? If if you're wondering, like, you know, the people are saying, well, this is the process. If you're going to fire someone for cause, this is how it goes. Okay. We understand that we're past that point. The reason people are looking upon this critically in the public eye right now is because you don't typically go that route unless it's the absolute last resort nuclear option. And based on everything we know here, no one thinks that's the case that you see. All right. So Except John Cunningham. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. So um, we're all big believers in the transfer portal. We're all big believers in giving kids choices. Um, there is the choice for some kids to maybe come back, Chad. And, so let's just assume there's a new well, Cunningham's well, recruiting them. Why wouldn't well, they come back? Well, that's what, I, that, that's what I'm wondering. All right. So let's just say, and I'm just going to give two names and I'm not knocking the kids I, again. Pr- I promise you I'm not, but let's just say Mikey Saunders and, and Tardy Easton decide, Hey, John's gone. New coach. We love the place. Let's go back. And the AD has our back. Again, I'm not anti-transfer portal. I want people to understand that. I think it's a great thing. I think it's a great thing for kids to have choices. I think it's a great thing for kids to make the decision of grass is greener. Maybe it's not. But at that point, if a couple kids come back and you're the new coach, I think you're hamstrung with those kids, to be quite frank. No, not in a situation where right now you've got four and maybe less oh. players. Like, skinny. <laughs> How do you coach? How do you coach them hard, Chad? How do you hold how them do you have a roster? You'll get a roster in the transfer portal. I mean, this isn't this isn't 2005. This is now guys are going everywhere. You got a chance you're, to get five or six guys. No, you're talking nine. You got to get to be able to run five on five. Okay, fine. My question is, how do you think? Guys like David DeJulius and Jeremiah Davenport, who have stuck by the coach and put their name behind pretty emphatic, supportive statements of John Brandon, will feel about those guys well, who left and put anonymous sources. From know, everything I know, those guys are all close and are still close. Okay. That's, I mean, that was just that, a question. That, I, that, I have no yeah. idea the relationship. No, yeah. I mean, from what I know, they're close. They're still close. They're running open gym together at Purcell Mary. Yeah, and I was going to say, I mean, the Davenports have clearly said we're not transfer people. DeJulius has really no option. So, Although I do think he has an option. I think when this goes through, this is, from talking to people, I believe this is everybody gets one free transfer from the day that the... The the thing goes into effect? The the thing goes into effect. Yeah, okay, okay, that'd be interesting. Two times, you might get a free one. One more, okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. I mean, I I just look. Jalen Coleman lands. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> right year seven um I, I i just think look i i don't have an indication that those guys are at odds with each other um no i wasn't suggesting i'm, I'm just i'm talking about with when, when the look, ad you need bodies AD, man right but when the ad is behind this and he has supported this and he has maybe told these kids listen let me work on this i'll get you a new coach i mean I ultimately just, the coach gets the final say yeah okay okay he does. Yeah, you until, can't, you can't until put he, those kids it, on the roster without the coach approving it. I'll sure, until he runs five more kids off because he coaches hard. I mean, 
Okay. <laughs> I agree with <laughs> like, the Chad that the coach very well may take them back because he needs a roster. Oh, but I, wait, I, I, but I'm I also not agree the, that you have to let the coach make that choice. Yeah, hang on. Maybe I phrased this wrong. I'm just saying maybe you do, but maybe it's been, listen, let me get you a new coach. And, and listen, I would take Tari Eason back if I'm a coach, and I would sure as hell take Mikey Saunders back. They both proven their AAC yes. level players. Yes, correct. I would take both of those guys back. But how about the first time I I – I'm in a practice and they're dogging it for whatever reason, because kids are kids. It just is what it is. And I'm up their ass and they go back to the 80 and go, hey, this guy's worse than Brandon, man, or he's as bad well, as John. Here's Brandon. what I'll say. <laughs> I don't have any indication that those two guys were guys that ran to the 80. Okay. I mean, that's, you know, if I did, I would have a lot more pause. I don't have any indication that those two guys were guys that ran to the AD. My understanding is both of them met face to face with John Brandon and told them their issues. And okay. There was no need to meet with the AD. Like they, they laid out everything that they had a problem with. John had his chance to speak. They had their chance to speak, and you know both sides moved on. So like, I, I don't think that is a case where where either of those two guys were guys that were running behind the coach's back to the athletic director. Yeah, I, I just think we're in a slippery slope with that. I just do. I. You better get used to it if you're a head coach. Yes, you're right, and and so. So what's what's the well, I'm jumping ahead here a little bit. So what's the line that that coach walks now? It's every coach, Skinny. What I've said for for six weeks now. The most important thing you're going to have to do as a head coach from day to day in is this recruit. environment is recruit your roster, right. not players. No, you're not, right. Not not kids. You have to recruit your roster every day, and that was never the case before. We talked about this. I've talked about it with with former college players that it used to be recruit, 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 recruit. The day you show up on campus, okay, Johnny, ha-ha, that was funny. Your ass is mine. Right. That ain't it anymore. Right. It's just not. So you have to recruit your roster every day. And that's fine. But at that, that point, an AD has to have your back to some degree and understand three or four of these guys are leaving for whatever reason. They're just I think gonna that's going to shift. Like, I think that, that there's – I think Cincinnati was in – a spot where if what happened, it happened a week later, I don't think it would have been as big a deal because by right. then it was no, right. Everywhere. Exactly. Exactly. UC was at the front of the line. Yes. And, and it looked alarmingly crazy, right? It looked yes. so alarming. It was like, Oh goodness. Okay. And you got a couple of them like Zach Harvey. Yeah. Um, Madsen. Yeah. And it just, it, it got alarming quick. And now we look around the country and go, well, they lost five and they're losing three and they're losing four and they're losing five. I mean, I mean, Xavier's losing five, although one's coming back. But I mean, for the yeah, it's how crazy this has been. And, and, and people need to understand that, including ADs and presidents. They need to understand I think, that. I think going forward, they will. I think yeah. Cincinnati was in the unfortunate situation that they were first. Like right. when we talk about this years down the road, Cincinnati was first in line at the, the transfer portal. And it created this situation. No question right. about it. And no then you question put, about it. And then you put yourself on the financial hook by firing a guy, maybe without cause. That's just dumb. And, and you know what? You know what's I funny think. is the thing that really triggered this and made it even more alarming in UC's case was that it was the whole freshman class that entered the right. portal, right? Yeah. And you're supposed well, to think, oh, I those think are your guys than... and everything. But hold, hold on a second. Let me just finish this though, because yeah, every yeah, no, coach no, I've no. talked to recently, when talking about the portal and like, what are you guys doing in 2022? Like talking, and they're all like. I mean, we Portal? don't know. Yeah, like, like <laughs> right? they're, they're all like, we don't really care about the freshman class nearly as much now because the guys we want are freshmen coming from another school. Like, we, I think all the coaches, guys. the coaches are planning that most guys are going to get into college, not play the minutes they think they, they were promised in the recruiting process. They're, you know, not going to like the way they're being coached as hard. And they're going to look to leave after that first year. But then you've used up that one-time transfer portal. Yep. And so you're kind of locked in at your next school, likely. So that's going to be the new golden ticket in recruiting is those freshmen that are transferring. And I think a lot of coaches are already preparing for that to be a much more regular thing. Absolutely. No question about that. What I would say, I think what was most alarming about what happened at UC was Mike Saunders. Because that was a guy John Brandon had a relationship with since he was in sixth grade, seventh grade. And he's known the family forever. And that was supposed to be when John got the job, Mike Saunders was his guy. Like that, what I've got my point guard. I'm coming in. You know, we'll put together the roster we have for this year. But going forward, 
this is a guy I'm riding with. I've been recruiting him since seventh grade. I know his family. Like when that fell apart, I think the red flags like exploded with what the hell's going on at Cincinnati because this was supposed to be like a, you know, John Brandon's ride or die. And he, and he jumped at the first chance to get out. Like, I think that's where the red flags and the alarms went off for a lot of the fan base and potentially John Cunningham. We don't know that because he hasn't spoken, but (laughs) potentially for John Cunningham as to like, what the heck is going on here? This is supposed to be like the cornerstone point guard of the future for his program. I think that like blew things up exponentially. All right. So, um, now John Cunningham has to make a coaching hire. He's got to hire a basketball coach. Yep. No matter how this goes, and I'll give I'll, I'll let you throw some names out. I know you put a big board up on Friday and a hot board up to see you know where everything was, and I'll let you throw some names out there. But before I do that, um, this defines him, right? This defines oh, John oh yeah. Cunningham as the AD, correct? Without question. I mean, he he has he has extended Luke Fickle, which. I mean, any of the three of us could have done. Yeah, that wasn't hard unless I couldn't find the money to do it. But yes, that was not a very hard decision. Look, we could have found the money to extend Luke Fickle. You call enough people and say, hey, I need 50000 100000 to keep Luke Fickle. You're going to get to the point where you have enough money to keep right. Luke Fickle. Right. We could have accomplished that. Couldn't get enough yeah. money to build him his facility he wanted, but you could do that. And you can fire a coach for yeah, 5.25 right. million. But okay, never mind. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, this is the defining moment of John Cunningham's career. And I, and it, look, I have had major issues with how this has been handled by John Cunningham so far. Uh, I've been impressed with the, what, with what I've seen and heard from how the coaching search is going, but we still have to see how it turns out. Right. I mean, you could hire what seems to be the greatest hire ever. And if he fails, that's still on you right or wrong. Yeah. And I hope no it question. doesn't. All right, so so where are we with that? I, I I mean Eric Martin's in that mix, right? Darren Savino's yeah. in that mix. Uh, Archie Miller's in that mix. Where are we at, Chad? So far, it feels like there's three names that are kind of starting to stand out. Um, I think Archie Miller would be the easy name, but I but I don't have him in this top list of three right now. Interesting, because he seemed like a hot name for a while, even before the firing happened. Yeah, I think here's the the issue with Archie. Archie is comfortable in his situation right so he's got 10 million dollars coming right, no matter what right right and espn will land him and he'll be terrible on espn but they'll he'll land somewhere he'll be with Pete right Gillen somewhere doing a broadcast and you're like why are these two guys doing a broadcast but yes you're right yeah so archie does not have to archie does not need the job so i think that puts archie in a in an interesting situation because if i'm archie cincinnati's got to recruit me right I'm not in a situation where I'm an up and comer or I'm an assistant coach uh, where I want the job. You got to sell the job to Archie. So Archie's going to have a lot of questions. If Archie has questions, does John Cunningham really want to answer those questions? Can he answer a lot of those questions right right now? That's legally. Is he going to be able to have a conversation with Archie Miller and answer the questions that Archie Miller has, but is he going to have that with anybody? Right. No, because no, because Archie is in a different spot. Archie is okay. Yeah. Archie's not trying to climb the ladder. Archie is look, I was talking to a source today and they said, here's the thing about Archie. Archie understands he's 42, but he understands this. The next job is, is all he has. Right. 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 Because if he goes somewhere and it's a cluster and it, he flames out, that's it for Archie Miller. Right, he's a career right hand man. He's forty-two. He's forty-two. He has got to make sure his next step is the right step. So, you know, I, I, I don't know the the and and I'm my phone is blowing up right now, so I'm I'm going to be careful with what I say here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to t- to to make a phone call, so you're going to have to talk to Rick for like five minutes here in a that, minute. That, that's fine. Let, let let me give you one one more thing. So how long does this process take in your opinion? Then I'll let you go. Cause then I actually, I got some stuff with Rick. You don't have to so let me go. Stuff. I'll stick on the podcast. Oh, okay. I'm just going to need uh, okay. a minute to make a phone call. That's fine. So, so lastly, so what, what do you think the timeline is for the hire? Sometime this week. I, I know, really? you know, that they, quick? they wanted, yeah, they wanted to get it done oh. quick, quick. Um, but my guess is they're still doing zoom interviews. I guess that would go into probably tomorrow. 
Um, and then I would guess, wouldn't you have to like try to get them here, get them on campus? Yes. Yeah. So that would be what Tuesday or Wednesday. So you're looking at a coach by maybe Thursday. Okay. Uh, I know Eric Martin is involved. I know Dennis Gates, Cleveland state coach yeah. is a name of interest. Archie's definitely a name of interest. Um, Savino got a shot or no. Uh, I, here's the thing. I, I, I think Savino is at a point where, look, shoot me straight. Do I have a shot? If I have a shot, I'll be interested. But don't play me as a cursory, like, you know, don't don't interview me just to 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 do Mick a favor or to say Darren was interviewed. I, I, I don't think that that, you know, Darren's going to interview just to to get his name involved. I know. I think Frank- if he interviews. I can't see Frank Martin. I was just say I, I I know Frank just got extended. Is there any way? Because I've heard he wants it. I'm sure he wants it. I oh. I, I I don't I, see. I think it was a bit of a leverage piece. There, there's rumors out there that there have been intermediaries reaching out I'll to multiple coaches. All right. for yeah, a little bit. It, yeah, and Rick, he just got extended at South Carolina, so I'm gonna guess that was kind of the piecemeal plan the, of that, right? The timing, it, the timing of that was not a coincidence, as I understand. No, I agree that. with that. I, the I'm whole UC thing was a nice little leverage piece for him. I don't think John Cunningham was doing this by accident. I think he had a plan in place and he wanted to replace John Brannon. And this is something I, I have no doubt that he did nothing that would get him in trouble legally. Cause he's probably very buttoned up about how he handled it, but yeah. that's the rumor out there among coaching circles. You can never confirm those things one way or another, but that's kind of been the, the rumor mill and it makes sense. No, I, I'll be honest. When I heard the Frank Martin extension, South Carolina, and, and he took him to a final four and that's just almost impossible to do. Um, but he did it. But other than that, he's not had a great run at South Carolina. He's had a nice run. It's not been a great run. Yeah, I think and they were trying to figure ex- out whether to cut ties with him. <laughs> yes. Kind of like, well, yeah, we might yes, lose him if we, Yes. You know. Yeah, I was in that camp too. Like, I, in fact, I was driving. I can't remember what it was Wednesday or Thursday when he got extended. I think I was listening to ESPN radio and I heard the extension. I went, wait a minute, what? You extended it, him? If okay. they would have interviewed Frank Martin, that may have been the funniest thing in the history of circus rodeo shows at the college level you fire a coach for cause for what we believe to be essentially being too tough on his players and then you hire frank martin who like who is traditionally tough on his players well no i mean people have put their name on him abusing them he got essentially ran out of kansas state he left before the mob got to him right there because they couldn't they weren't going to pay the buyout and they were waiting to fire him but he got suspended for talking to his players he had to sit okay i'm back for talking crazy to his players. I mean, that would have been the funniest of all interviews had they like actually gotten to a point of interviewing Frank Martin after right. firing a coach for being too. Right, so, 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 so I mean, here's, do you have any, hang on, hang on. Do you have news for us or no? No, I, I'm, I am was that chasing your, down something. Was that your butcher that called you? Seriously, did your butcher just call you about your order tomorrow? Is that what that was? No, it was, that was a high major assistant coach okay. uh, that, that was, that, you know, has, has been good to me in this process. All right. I'm just making sure I don't want your butcher to call and interrupt the podcast. So. <laughs> well, the phone call wouldn't have been as important, but I got a text right before it from someone else that I thought would be about what that phone call was about. And it wasn't. So that was okay. kind of disappointing on that end. Okay. Was the yeah, source's was, I, name I, the butcher? Maybe. <laughs> Not ruling it out. Um, I think Eric Martin's interesting. Finky's uh, Fine it, Meats, in case you're wondering. What? Finky's Fine Meats down there in I'm, an, I'm an Everts guy. Everts okay. in Newport. That, yeah, that's Newport. my butcher. Right. But I'm me too. I'm a Newport guy. The, right. the best the best deli ham you'll ever have. All right. Good call. So I'm, an average, to, I'm an average sh- guy. Shout out to them. Good call, Chad. Well done. All right. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. That's all right. I, I think Eric Martin would definitely be interesting. Uh, there's talk that Nick Van Exel would come with him uh, on his staff. Um, you know, Bob Huggins is behind that. Sure. Trying. Uh, are they, re- are they that, ready for this? Are they ready for this? I don't know. Like, here's what worries me about, about Eric. And, and part of this is because Hugs has had an associate head coach forever, Larry Harrison. Right. But Eric has never been the number two. Are, are, you, are you ready to jump to a number one when you've only been three or four? Like that to me, he's been with Hugs for 15 years. He recruits well. You know, he was on the 92 Final Four team. So he obviously has a clear love for Cincinnati. 
But why hasn't he ever left West Virginia to go, you know, you know, Larry Harrison's not going anywhere. That's Hugs' associate head coach. Right. And why hasn't he ever left West Virginia to go somewhere and become an associate head coach, become a number two on the path to becoming a number one? Right. right? That's, can, that's, that's the steps. You got to follow the steps. Correct. But you can argue, is there a comfort factor there for Eric Martin? And, and what I've, of course, uh, I, I heard this okay. five or six, uh, uh, this was five, six or seven years ago. It, it's been a while, but Hugs had a bad year. And I can't remember what year it was. It was in that vein. Like they were sub 500, they were bad. And apparently from what I was told, he said, Eric, go get me players. And Eric did. Yeah. So, I mean, he must be pretty good. I think Eric's a very good assistant. We just, I, we don't have any empirical evidence that he's ready to be a number one guy. So you're taking a, a pretty large risk in a situation that I don't know how much you can afford to take that risk. Right. So, right? so hang on, hang on. Let me play devil's advocate for a second. I did. I I should know this, and I don't. What was Juwan Howard's coaching background before he took the Michigan job? A lot of NBA. Okay. He that's he had a, been grinding in the NBA for a long time. Okay, that's all well and good, but never a head coach, never in the yeah, level. That's he fair. Was. And they hired. He, they also hired Phil Martelli. Right, and that's where I was going to go with that. So if if Eric's smart, you're going to hire a guy like Phil Martelli. Well, I've whoever that person that, is, I've been told that hiring a veteran assistant to help out a young coach is not important. Hmm. <laughs> mm. I think that, Eric Martin is an interesting name. I would agree with Chad. I'm a little leery of uh, longtime assistants. Well, I'm a little leery of a guy that doesn't have experience as a head coach coming to this hornet's nest. If I, mean, I had to pick, you know who I'd pick? I think I'm pretty much, I, I'm getting to the point I'm all in call, on Dennis Gates. Call Kramer? No. no okay. He recruits uh, the city well. I'll give him that. Yeah, he, he does. All right, so. So, Rick, what do you think of Dennis Gates? You've been in the league. You've been in that league. I was going to say, I have some thoughts on Dennis Gates, if you'd yes, like them. Yes, go ahead. Uh, yes, absolutely. I think Dennis Gates would have a really good sales pitch to John Cunningham and UC right now because he is very much the culture, rah-rah, locker room is everything guy, and uh, very about being close-knit with their players and their staff acts very young and kind of hoots and hollers on their benches it made them not the favorite of pretty much all the other staffs in the horizon league. The last two years during this year, where you were allowed to like the players were allowed to stand up and cheer and right. stuff like that. They were like a girl softball team. Like they chanted the entire game. It was like an AAU type atmosphere with them. They, they were they like had, team takeover. Yeah. I mean, they had a very interesting bench dynamic, like before halftime and the end of the game, after the buzzer sounded, they'd all go to mid court and form a huddle, whether they are at home or on your court and they talk and, cheer first and then they'd go into their locker room so it's it's an interesting dynamic and i think he seems genuine when he pitches it so i think that's the vision you need to sell right now i hate him already by the way i i I hate him already by the way you would you would want to kill him if you coached again yes i can tell you right now correct you Uh, never covered one of my not whole baseball games did you skinny uh no i did not you, you weren't familiar with Master Jewelers as we uh, won three I, city I, championships. I, I know Master Jewelers actually, but no, I did not cover. You, you didn't like the screaming and yelling and hollering I, and yeah, singing. It, we 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 used to sing Pearl Jam alive on home plate. I would before killed, we would take infield practice. I would have killed you all. <laughs> so 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 with that regard, so, and then the other thing is, I would say he's a very defensive minded coach. He's one with toughness and getting his guys to buy in and play super hard. He had players that fit that style. The thing I would be a little concerned about is he had one good year. He got coach of the year for kind of quote unquote, turning them around, even though they won like 12 games total or whatever it was. Um, And everyone kind of laughed at that. And then this year they had a really good year and obviously won the tournament, went to NCAA and everyone was like, okay, maybe this guy knows what he's doing, but he also had a very experienced roster this year. And it, it wasn't like, you know, they ran a lot of good stuff or anything. It was, they were really tough old guys who bought in, played their asses off, fought through COVID, stay locked in, all that type of stuff, and were very consistent all year. They were also the team that gave up the 40-0 run to start the year that everyone went nuts about and uh, lost. So I can't remember who they lost that game to. Yeah, it was crazy. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's a Mac team, wasn't it? Akron, Toledo. Yeah, yeah. But it was, yeah. So they, they started the year that way and then finished it really strong. Offense, I would be a little concerned about. Defense, I think he's good there. He, he'll press. He plays tough man-to-man, pressures the ball, but he'll also mix in a zone. He has a curveball, which I think is a, a really good thing to do in this day and age, as we've seen in the tournament. Um, I, I think there are a lot of things to like about him. I think the one big, big red flag for everyone at UC is going to be, 
are you taking another horizon league coach that, you know, it doesn't have a very yeah. long track, yeah. track record of success. But, but here's the thing I would tell you though, and that's a good point, but we're talking assistance. Otherwise, right. We're talking Eric Martin. We're yeah. talking I'm, Darren Servino. I mean, we're talking, I mean, if you're looking for the, the best prospect or up and comer type candidate, I think it's probably Dennis Gates right now that in terms of the names that are being talked about. Let me throw a name out at you. Sure. John Shire. I don't know enough about him. I mean, I, I honestly don't. I, I know of him. I just don't know enough about him. What, um, he's recruited I, I, his ass off, and he's seen his next in line at Duke. What's his I hate you let him cut his, what's I, I think there's interest. I think there's interest. I think there's – I think there's interest from UC. I think there's interest from Shire. I don't know what level of interest, but I know there's mutual interest at some level. Rick, any thoughts? Jeff Bowles light. I mean, he looks like diet Jeff Bowles kind of. I, could, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he'll be like Jeff Bowles. Maybe no, you should just go get one. Jeff Bowles instead. I don't what do you, know. What do you think about Jeff Bowles? I've always Jeff thought Bowles Jeff Bowles, would Bowles take is it. sharp. I've always thought Jeff Bowles is sharp. Um, you know, I don't know if people are, if they feel like he's proven enough at this point in his career or not, I could be talked into. He hasn't. And I'd have concerns about the fact that, you know, his, his really good year this past season was with an NBA point guard that you're not typically they going finished to have fifth in the Mac. They finished fifth in the Mac. Right. So I think that was my biggest concern going through Jeff Bowles resume. Yeah, you had the an NBA point guard. You finished fifth in the Mac. Right. Yes. You won the tournament, made the NCAA tournament, made a little noise. But you finished fifth in the match. Right. The only thing I would say to that is this year was so wonky. I just don't know how I assess anything like John Brandon. I just don't know how I assess any of it. I it don't. is. But if, but if someone's going to say, hey, I don't know if Jeff Bowles has done enough for me to feel like. No, that's fair. The best candidate. Yeah. I'm like, okay, he had an NBA I can listen point that. guard in the match. Yeah. I mean, I've talked to Jeff Bowles. Uh, I've been around him. I've always thought he's a yeah, short guy personally. He's yeah, sharp, but he's funny. I like he, I, he he checks a lot of boxes. But in terms of his resume, I don't know. I could I could be talked into either way. I think on Jeff Bowles, I'm not gung ho about that option, but I don't think it's a bad option either. I think Shire's Shire's just a name that's kind of popped up on on both sides, uh, kind of in the periphery, like it's in the background. So I don't know that there's a lot of smoke to it. I just thought it's an interesting name. Like you 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 know, if he really is. <clears throat> the heir apparent to Coach K, wouldn't it behoove him go get a job like Cincinnati, sure. win in the AAC, and in three years when Coach K gets sick of dealing with all this crap, like you've proven, you can coach at a high level, uh, and, but, and you go to you go get, or you've proven that you can't coach at a high level and right. you don't get the do job. I, I was gonna say, <laughs> I was gonna say, do you take the chance on walking into a total rebuild, Coach K? Something happens, and in three years he needs to get out, and you've. Yep. Haven't put or, together a winning would, season yet. Or, or, or hang on, or three years is one year, like Roy Williams, right? Three years is one year. If he goes yeah. back next year and goes, well, yeah, I'm done. I'm you, tired of this. You would crap. think he would he would have some type of heads up. It was something like that, but you never know you medically. Think, I mean, Coach would, K collapsed every other year. It seems like for something. Yeah, so. His back's bad, as you know. Well, or he's dizzy. Um, or here's what I would say on on why I would be really interested in John Shire. When you look at the transfer portal. Don't you want the a guy that can get you the best of the transfers? And John Shire has built relationships with, you know, most of the top rate, rated kids in the country because he's the number two guy at Duke. So if a high level transfer enters the transfer portal, there's a good chance John Shire has a relationship with them. All right, so so Chad, let me leave it leave it with this. The last part of. You see, oh come on, we're we're rocking this. We're no, we are. an hour no, on you. No, no, talk we're, now. We're, we, it's great. We, we, We've got more stuff to do, <laughs> mind you. Um, let's assume John Shire, and he's walking into a mess, and we can agree with that part of it. But what's the rope for John Shire at that point? Is it one year, two years, three years, four years, five years, three years, two years? One? I mean, where depends are we at on how much his players and the parents complain to the athletic director. I, it sounds like it. <laughs> and that's my no. That's my point. What's the rope? Yeah, I, I, I mean, you would have considerable rope because you're John Cunningham's guy. Right. So as long as John Cunningham's there, he has to be right about you, right? Like we talked about that. This is the defining hire of John Cunningham's career. He can't miss on who this coach is. So they're going to get a little bit more rope than John Brandon did. Yep. And then Luke Luke Fickle leaves after next year when he has great success. And so oh, we're shut up. Jesus. I know. I'm just I'm just saying. I mean, so where are we at? You guys are killing me for coming on this podcast. I know that. I realize that. I'm just saying what I mean. It's not even a what if. That's a 
that's a real potential, as you know, right? I mean, there's a very few number of jobs that Luke Fickle's going to leave for. If one of those jobs open and Luke Fickle leaves, okay, great. Whatever. Like, it, it, there's a couple places that you just have to shrug your shoulders and say, eh, there's nothing right. you can do about that. Right. But we don't have any indication one of those jobs is going to come open. None of, the, none of those jobs are on the hot seat. Yeah, you're right about that part, but I never would have thought that in a year I get North Carolina and whatever, Indiana and um, three or four other schools that go, oh, my gosh, those Texas. Well, we, we knew Archie was on the hot seat. Yes, we, we knew did. Shaka wanted, wanted out. We knew Roy Williams could retire at any time. He's like 100. He likes to Didn't he coach cool. Danny Manning in Kansas? Um, no, Larry Brown did, actually. I know, but he came in <laughs> not too long after that. Not too long after that. That's correct. I think actually right for Danny left, but you're right. Right. So, yes. So, uh, yeah, like some of those things in basketball, like we know at some point here in the next five years, Coach K is probably going to step down. Yes. We know at some point in time in the next five years, Coach Cal is probably going to say, screw this, I'm out at Kentucky. Izzo. Izzo. Close. We don't, other than like. Jim Bam, Jim Bam's going to die or he's going to coach until he's 97. Right. Like Saban. He doesn't seem like he's slowing down at any time soon. No, right. Dabo isn't going anywhere. Ryan Day looks to be like a rising star. Are you counting on Brian Kelly leaving a situation at Notre Dame where he's he's making the the, the playoff every other? Well, year? unless he puts another kid up on a scissor lift and he dies. Other than that, I think well, he's good. that didn't cost him his job. I know. He killed I, a kid. I know. But right, his job. right. But I'm saying two is a little too much. Right. That's a that's that's a that's one guy too many. <laughs> what well, so. I mean, what what what's the only job right now that I think is a, like a threat to Luke Fickle? would probably be Penn State just because James Franklin, who the hell knows with that lunatic? Can I, can I get into Kentucky for Mark Stoops? Can I do that? Is there a way I can do that? Uh, uh, no. I, no, I don't think you can do that. Damn. I thought I could do that. All right. Before we get to Xavier, any final thoughts on the UC situation? You you think Chad, a coach, will be named this week? Uh, I, I I think this week, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I guess I'm going to pin you the wall on on a name, as I say, that's what I'm gonna say. I, I hate to do this because it's no, not skinny, fair. You, it's not... you give your pick first, Skinny. I want to hear your name before Chad says anything. I'm going. I'm going Archie Miller. I'm just. It just seems safe. It seems the easy way to go. And I'm you think they're gonna, gonna like talk to all the other candidates first and make their home run play on Archie last? I didn't say it was a home run play. I'm just saying that's a safe play. Okay. What about you, Rick? I'll, I'll let you go next, and then I'll go Chad. Chad trumps us all. Rick, I don't. I'm gonna go Eric Martin. Maybe I. I think it's a it's a tough situation. Any way you look at it, everyone has some pluses. Everyone has some minuses. I think there's a ton of buzz around UC for a a guy with UC ties. I'm gonna go Eric Martin. All right, Chad, you trumpet. What do you got? I, I I started this thing thinking Archie. The more it has played out over 48 hours. I think UC would really have to make a home run presentation to Archie. And I don't think that has happened yet. I'm not ruling out that it, that it'll happen. No, I don't think course. it's happened yet. A fair call. Um, based on the information I had, uh, I'm going to go the complete opposite of the last time around. The last time around I, I, I rode with uh, a guy I've known and been friends with for 25 years. That worked out horribly. Uh, so I'm going to go with somebody. I don't have any communication contact with at all. I'll, I'll go Dennis Gates. Okay. Um, I think he checks a lot of boxes, man. I, I think if you're trying to go the opposite of what happened with John and you're looking at, you know, player empowerment and, right, right and, and yep. all of those things, I think, you know, if that's the AD's is, the mission is to try to go opposite of what, what was going on before. I think Dennis Gate checks, Gates checks the most of those boxes. Plus, he seems, from what I've, I've watched over the past couple of days, he seems like a really fun guy to interview. He likes going on podcasts. Uh, he likes getting his, you know, getting the the getting out in front of things. So um, I, I I think working in and around the Dennis Gates era would be pretty fun for me. So I, I'm I'm about I'm I'm like Mo except for Mo wants you to to be good or to be inter interesting. I wouldn't. Yeah, I want you to I want you to be good or be entertaining. And I think Gates would would fit either good or entertaining. I do think that would be a really nice play for you if it's Gates, because I do think you'll get a ton of great content from a media perspective. He likes to sell his program a lot. 
Um, and I do think you're right. He will come in and, and have a great interview. He's the type of guy that you like listening to talk. And like I said, I think he'll come across very genuine with that sales pitch of culture, locker room, being a player's coach type of guy. I think he'll have a really good pitch for that. And I think that's probably what Cunningham wants to hear right now, if I had to guess. So I do think there's a there's a decent chance he'll be a great candidate. Skinny, do you think Archie Miller is the best candidate or do you think that's who's going to get it? Because I think Archie would be the best option out of the guys that are talked about. I do not think they'll get him. I, I don't. I, I think it's a safe play. He's got head coaching experience. He had success at Dayton. Didn't work out at Indiana, but it's okay. It's a bounce back circumstance. I mean, you could argue Kelvin Sampson failed at Indiana, right? And there was, some of it was him, you know, cheating. No, he didn't. Well, he did. He did. But no, hear me he out. won. Hear me out. He, and then but, he got fired for cheating. Right. He didn't so, but fail he, at Indiana. But he still failed. So, but, but the bottom line is the bounce back was okay. He went to the NBA for a few years in Houston, and here he is doing great things. So you can look at Archie Miller going, I don't want him to go to the NBA. Come to me and well, do this again, now. Here, here's the argument I, ma- I made with Archie from the beginning. Kelvin Sampson is the best coach in this league. Who's second? John Brandon. <laughs> Who's second? John Brandon. Did I say that yet? Did somebody hire him that I'm not aware of? <laughs> Sorry about that. He um, doesn't coach in this league anymore. Um, you know? Maybe Tim Jankovic, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I you got a lot of guys, you got a lot of guys that are kind of eh, like right on that, like that average line. Right. Not terrible. But not good. Who's the, who's the new cat at West, Wichita State that did actually? God love me, did good things. Who's that guy? Brown, yeah, 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 like Isaac something. Isaac Brown. Isaac Brown. Yeah, Isaac Brown. Yeah. He 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 took, but he took over a situation that, if you actually look at it, was almost a mirror image of what John Brandon took over last year. Because he had a Player of the Year candidate, right? Right. That one Player of the Year. He had three other veteran guys. That, that that hung around from the Greg Marshall era that were really Tyson Etienne and um um we don't damage. care you just asked for the name and we no. gave it to yes, you correct. Yeah, yeah. yes correct yes correct he had three or four guys at here's DK, the point he had three or four guys and then he, he added seven transfers to that roster and they won the league but here's the point how do they do in the championship game of the tournament they didn't make the championship game. Oh, of the they did. oh really? They didn't? Oh. No, they didn't. Huh. It's they crazy. lost. They lost they to the lo- semis. Who did they lose to in the semis? Um, John Brandon. Oh, that's right. My bad. Yeah, that's okay. my bad. Yeah. Silly me. But, but that's my point in the American. Like, Archie it, Miller it, would be the second Archie? best coach in the conference. Yeah, Archie yes. Miller would be the second yes. best coach in the conference. Yes. So while I think you had a valid point about him being comfortable, and I think it would be hard for UC to get him, I also do think there is there is a line of thinking if you're Archie of, yeah, this is it for me if I don't make it work. But this is also the perfect level. It's the AAC. It's where right. it's the type of league I've had success in before. I, I, I know I've I got, can get I, the best players in this well, conference if I recruit I've, like I recruit. I've, I've got rope to not, it doesn't have to be year one or year two, but if I'm building, I got year three as long as I'm doing it the right way. Yes. Right. He has some leash. And by the way, it's still a big time program. I mean, you don't have to restart with some mid major. You get to start at UC, which is like a nice landing spot if you're Archie dropping down from India. Great landing spot. It's going to be the highest job that he could get to come back to if he wants his next job to be a decent level. Or he sits and goes. In this cycle, in this cycle, absolutely. No question. Yeah. Well, and I don't think Who there's going to be a better one. Gonna be. I don't think anyone's going to hire him at, at a higher job next either. Like the year after this, or I think he would have to go down to mid major level, maybe like a different a 10 school or something, you know? Yeah, maybe. Well, it'll be interesting for this week. That's all I know. So, all right, let's go to Xavier, Rick. Um, we've we're an hour into the podcast and it took us a while to get to Xavier, which is all good. Um, so they get the kid from, from Iowa and I can't pronounce his last name. So please do it for me. Jack Nungy. Thank you. And then they get Kiki Tandy coming back. Um, so this roster, all of a sudden we look up and it's like, oh, it's really crowded again. Um, but the bottom line is it's a pretty good roster, despite the fact that it looked like the offseason was trending in a weird direction. G- give me a give me a take on the Iowa kid first and then Kiki coming back second. I think Nunji is about as good as they could have done in the transfer portal for what they were looking to add. You know, they had 
other guys that they were interested and all of them were either more offensive minded and were going to really affect you on the defensive end and give something up or not give you much rebounding at all. Like Brady Manick from Oklahoma, for instance, was another name that I thought was one of the more talented guys they were after. And it was basically sure you're adding a 40% plus three point shooter and your offense will hopefully be a lot better. But is, is he, is he the mustache guy? Am I yeah, wrong? He's the Larry bird looking yeah, dude. Okay, yeah. yeah. But he doesn't rebound, doesn't defend very well, you know? So it's like, Okay, there, there's definitely some drawbacks there on that side. With Nunji, I think you kind of get the best of both worlds. I don't know that he's great. There are certainly some health concerns there, being that he's re-injured the same knee in less than a year. He had an ACL tear, and then he had a meniscus tear this year. So that's, that's really, tough. I mean, that, I that's mean, really that, tough, that is, yeah. That is tough, yes. Fortunately, his game isn't like athleticism or explosiveness. Right, it's right. the fact that he's 6'11 with a 7'3 wingspan. And I think that's the thing that stands out the most is he's not as good defensively as Jason Carter. If you're like trying to guard someone one-on-one, especially out on the perimeter, he's not going to be as good in ball screens. And they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do if they're playing him and Fremantle together in ball screens this year. But that would be my question. Yeah. And that's a huge question they're going to have to figure out. But I would also argue there may be a way in which he makes Xavier better defensively than Jason Carter did because Jason Carter is a minus length guy in the front court. Zach Fremantle is a average to minus length guy in the front court. Jack Nungy is really long, 7'3 wingspan. Having that type of length on in your defense changes things. It changes things from a rebounding perspective, but also he's not like a, a explosive shot blocker one-on-one type of guy. He's a come from the weak side, help you out, and reject a shot type of guy. And they definitely don't have anyone else like that. They didn't last year. So I think he will make a difference in that regard. And then you kind of even think if Deontay Miles can give them anything this year then you have some options all of a sudden you could play NKU. a real <laughs> NKU, sorry. you could play a really long defensive lineup with Deontay and Jack in there at the same time you can mix and match those three guys together in various ways and that's their plan we'll see how it all works out yeah I, you and I were talking uh yesterday uh pre-podcast obviously and I said you know what I'm not so sure I don't play a bunch of zone and I hate zone I, I hate it as a coach I hate it in general I just hate everything about it but occasionally, when you look at a team like this, um, with the length of guard and the length of the guys you're talking about and the fact that they're not probably great individual defenders, maybe it's the way to go. Yeah. And, maybe, and, I, and the worst part is, you can, and not the worst part, the best part is, you. there's nothing that says you can't trap in the half court out of that, right? Well, and I like the idea of a 1-3-1 like they played some years back. Yes. If you put like Nunji on the baseline, Fremantle in the middle – Fremantle can take up some space. He'll help you rebound coming from the free throw line. And then Nunji gives you some length to, to run that baseline a little bit. And yeah, it's going to limit the effectiveness of an on-ball defender like Dwan Odom and Colby Jones, but they can also help you trap up at the top. And Dwan Odom or Colby could be a pest like JP McKeera was at the top of the one, three, one. So I thought he was great. That I, I thought when he was at the top of the one, three, one, that was the smartest defense ever. Cause he's just so stinking goofy long and that was the and a high IQ thing guy that did. yeah yes bait people yes. into stupid stuff yeah and I think that's kind of the type of player Colby could be or Dwan's just such a pest and and so quick that he could really harass the ball up top and, and make it interesting or maybe even just like a tandem two three where you kind of start out in that one one three look and someone's always yep. pressuring yep. the ball I think that's an interesting idea for this team so if I was the staff I would be shocked with this type of length and you're adding another guy who's going to really struggle to guard ball screens. If they don't have some type of secondary look or at least really change the way that they're defending ball screens. If it's all like hard hedge or owning stuff, um, I think it's going to be another tough year defensively in a lot of ways, but I think there's a lot of options now that they have with their, their front court that, that they I could mean, fix this. It, it feels like such a great two, two, one back to a two, three look back to a trap under the free throw line. Look, that they have a chance to be really good at that because of their length. It just seems like that's the perfect fit. A lot and of I different things I think you could do with that length. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's but, crazy. But, but it's not a perfect man-to-man defense, obviously. So no, they're going to have to scheme a little bit, I think, this right. year. Right. Right. And that's fine. That's all That's all good. Um, so Kiki Tandy decides to come back. Um, it looked like he was a done deal gone. What does it mean that he's back? And um, what does it mean for the team in general? Well, I think it means, again, this is a pretty good locker room. If you got a guy who was pretty much almost forgotten about in terms of his playing time late in the year and the coaching staff just said, you're not a part of our rotation at this point. And then when they met after the season, they kind of told him the same thing. And he went and saw what was out there. And I don't think the transfer portal was quite what maybe him or at least his family was expecting it to look like. And he decided, well, 
things are good enough at Xavier that I want to be back, you know? And I think then Xavier had a decision on their hands was like, do we want it back? But I think ultimately the situation with Kiki is he's not a bad locker room guy. He's not a bad kid by any stretch of the imagination. He just didn't buy in the way they needed him to buy in last year. And they felt they couldn't reward that and play him. Plus they didn't think he was one of their best options based on what they were giving him out there. So uh, I think at this point, you kind of look at him as not a walk on, but he's kind of last guy on the, the roster looking to play his way back in. I mean, Xavier certainly didn't promise anything. They had to decide whether or not they wanted him back. And he decided he, he wants to try to play his way back in. He, he likes his team. He liked his coaching staff. So he's back in. It seemed like he'd be a really good fit at Murray state at this point, but neither oh, nor there. Yeah. But I mean, there's still a chance that he could be the three point lift off the bench that Xavier needs. This right. Year. You know, right. I mean, there's, he can shoot. Yeah. <laughs> he can put the ball in the he basket. Can really shoot. Yeah, I think there's a way to figure out how to use him. You just need him to buy into some of the other things. I think he tried towards the end of the year, but I I don't think the staff trusted him at that point. Skinny, skinny. I don't care what else. The number one thing in basketball today is being able to shoot from the perimeter and expand the defense. Right. He's still a 37% three-point shooter, which is not good. It's not great. It's good. It's not great. Rick, please. Give Give me great. Give At me the college great. level, give me great. Seven percent is very good. Look, I'll, not I'll, good, very good. Thirty-seven percent is plenty good. good. And Xavier could have used that it's without good. a doubt last year. Yes. But I also think that he was almost unplayable a lot of the time that he was on the floor. I mean, I don't know how you could get past a lot of the stuff he was doing right. and just completely blowing defensive assignments left and right and turning the ball See? over when he touched it every time and just taking bad shots. It's like you got other guys at the guard positions. You you need him to buy in a little bit more. So at that point, you best shoot 52% from three. Yeah. I mean, he'd have to be almost automatic at that point and be like a complete specialist. Like he's Redford or something coming off the bench. Yes. Yeah. Um, All right. Let's wrap this up with the national championship game. Um, Rick and I talked midweek, Chad, but um, I I know that we can argue. I kind of hate myself. No, well, you shouldn't hate yourself, but we all hate Uh, ourselves. I kind of hate myself because I, 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 I almost went, and switched to Baylor. Did you really? I I didn't like them. Almost. From, from, almost. I, didn't, I didn't like them from the second round on. I told Rick this on our podcast. You know why I almost switched? Why? Because I knew you two hated local them. Guy? Right. That's probably no, right. Because I knew you two hated them. That's a good call. The, the, I, I almost felt like the play was to fade you two and go Baylor. That was hold a on, smart hold on. move if you'd done it. I never hated Baylor. I did pick I, an early upset. I did. I hate them. him. I hate and, him. And I also thought, Gonzaga would be the best team in the country, which I think a lot of people felt that. But I, I never said Baylor was a I bad felt team. Or that's anything. why. I, that's why I didn't didn't do it is because I felt like Gonzaga was the best team in the country. I just always but worry about Baylor a team that doesn't rebound well. Gonzaga. Yeah, and they dominated physically in that game. But for me, going into the tournament, my big concern was about Baylor is a team that doesn't clear the glass is really susceptible to upsets. We've seen that time and time again, and it just never played out yeah. that way. They played out of their minds. They were great defensively, and they were really they tough. They didn't miss. Yeah, that makes it. So rebounding's too. less of an issue when you don't miss shots. That helps, too. <laughs> All right, so so Rick and I talked about this, Chad. If, if you played a seven-game series between Gonzaga and Baylor, who wins, in your opinion? After watching that game, it's impossible not to say Baylor. Hmm. I told that you wasn't close. Hmm. That wasn't close. I'm still going Gonzaga. Me, too. Uh, I, but I tell you, we're in the minority on that. I'm, uh, no one else that. thinks that way. I realize that. I, I do realize that. Look, um, if it was, if it was a, like, if if Gonzaga would have been able to, they got that game back to nine, what, twice? Yeah, but not enough to make it, like, threatening. No, no, they got it to nine. In the second half, they got it to nine twice. If they would have been able to, to, to actually get that thing down to, like, five or six and make it a game, I probably would agree with you. But every time Baylor, every time Gonzaga like felt like they were making a push, Baylor punched them right in the face. And it went back to 16 or 17 points before you could look at Twitter and turn back to the TV. Right. I, I, I made this point to Rick, Chad. I'm going to make it to you. Go back and look at some NBA final series that have gone seven games. And there's always a game or two either way where somebody got punched in the face and they had no answer. Okay. I, I think here's what we ignore. Baylor was elite defensively, right? No. In that game. Yes. But the, no. the, yeah, right, the, in that game, the, their, their guards were, yes, their guards, their guards were. were, they don't, they didn't have a ton of rim protection. You're right. 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 Their guards were. Yes. 
but rim protection against Gonzaga almost isn't really much of a thing because when they score at the rim, it's on cuts and like yes. Um, they were the like they shot at an elite level from the perimeter. So they played good man-to-man defense and they shot the hell out of it from three. Like that's what we're talking about is basketball in 2021, right? That's exactly, they did all of those things. That was exactly my take on Wednesday is that they, they are the perfect image of the easiest route to winning in 2021. Be the best three-point shooting team in the country. Play small ball, spread you out, and shoot the right. hell out of it. It's really hard to guard, and it gives you a good chance, especially if you couple it with some athletes, a couple tough guys here and there, you know, some guys that'll play their role, like Mark Vital. That you have a couple of guys like that 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 fill in the cracks there for you and step up when it matters, and you've I got mean, yourself a chance. Hey boys, is l- it, l- listen, is it Mark? Level? Is it Mark Vital, Jason Maxiel, and Eric Hicks? It's like six four and a half, six five, long arms, tough as shit. They surrounded him with some great guards. Like that's, and you have the guy with like fifty-seven letters in his name. I'm, I'm not Chu Ching Chang. I don't know. I don't know how to say his name. Yes, I, I wish I would. Guy. I wish I would have done the research. But one of you guys tell me this: When's the last team that won a national championship that was two hundred and seventy-fourth in defensive rebounding percentage? Right. I mean, never. I just don't think that's been a thing very often. You know what I mean? They, they are a unique right. case, but I think it's a perfect example of what you said, Chad. If you can really, really shoot the ball, you got some athleticism. I mean, they're not just guards that are spot-up shooters. They can break and, you down off the dribble and spread you out, and they're really and, guards. And, and, fell, and, fell's, and, and fell's, we're, we're all Northern Kentucky guys, and I, I know you followed Highlands. That's exactly what they did. They had the best point guard in the state. And he's 6'5", and he would block shots, and he would come downhill, and either you guard him or you gap him. And when you gap him, he would go, here, you shoot a three. Layup, 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 layup. It was incredible to watch. That's the game. Yeah. You're right. That's the game today. But in a seven-game series, I'm just telling you, <laughs> well, here's the thing. four games to two. I'm just telling you. I'm with you. I, I, no way. Yes. No. Four maybe games four to two. three, but no way. Four, four games to two. two. Yes. No maybe way. Four games to one. I'm going four you're games at, to one just to piss you off. <laughs> just to piss you off. I'm with you on you're four out to two. Of your, you're out of your damn mind, four to two. All right. Did you not watch that game? How I did. How drunk were you? How drunk were you at Dude. 930 Dude. That Monday, last Monday night? Dude, I did watch it, and it's a one-game circumstance, and Baylor was clear. They punked, Hear me out. They punked in Zaga. They punked them. Go look at Larry Bird versus the Lakers back in the 80s. That stuff happens in a one-game situation. It happens. You don't make shots. They make shots. You don't make shots. They make shots. The better team wins. That's what happens. Don't get me wrong. Gonzaga had plenty of issues defending, and they had to figure some things out. But, Chad, do you not agree to a certain extent? There was some shell-shocked and some avalanche effect going on there. And the zone was stupid. Yes. If we're talking about a a seven-game scenario, I could fully understand an argument that either team would win in game seven. Four to two, Gonzaga. Gonzaga to pick Gonzaga in game four in six to two, Gonzaga. Five, you're out of your damn mind. I'll tell you what, you didn't watch the game after game one. I would have gone and bet the house on that four to two, Gonzaga, and I'd have been happy with you it. You thought after odds. that game, Baylor was going to win four out of the next five. No, I, Gonzaga, I want you what you're smoking. Yes. I Gonzaga. want what you're smoking. Yes, no, yeah, you're I want what you're smoking. It's Send fine. me some of that. Dude, you got recency bias with one game. I love you, but it's okay. I watched it. I know. So did I. And they punked them in a game, in one game. They were longer. They were more athletic. Listen, listen, dude. And they deserve the title. Nobody's telling. I'm not telling you they don't deserve the title. They deserve the title. That's what you got to do. But in seven games, night, night, Baylor. Have a good day. In, In seven games, I'm not opposed to thinking Gonzaga would win in game seven. Four to two, Rick. Yeah, no, I mean, I can be. I'm, I'm in with you on the four to two, but look, I mean, I don't think you're very far off if you agree that they would potentially win four to three either. So, I think we're pretty close on this argument at <laughs> this point. I do enjoy you guys. Going Gonzaga would win. That's yeah, Gonzaga is the better team to me still, even yes. uh, even after what we saw. I think after what we saw, I would take Baylor four to three. Baylor would win game seven. Oh man, I'd love to bet you on that, but we have no chance to bet on that. So <laughs> there's that. There's that. I I bet some good hey, stakes look, on the grill, buddy. This is this is the final segment of the final show of the year. Yes, yes. Like, we had to heat it up some. I'll give yeah. Chad this, and I'm just 
I'm just glad to talk about anything else right now. Yes, I know you are. I realize that, dude. I, I will I, give Chad this. He is probably right about this because I was wrong about every single thing in this NCAA tournament. So I will give them. <laughs> he probably wins this one just on that. Yeah, one. yeah that's a good call. That's a good call, too. All right. Any final thought from you, Chad Brendel, from the very last podcast of this basketball season? Thank God this year is over. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. I, I'm, I, I'm done. I'm, I'm done with this season. I've got snow calling me right now. I need to end this podcast. All right. You're good. So I'm good with that. Rick Boring, any final thoughts for you, my friend? I mean, thankfully we had this season. I mean, yes. I'm with it. Yeah. I'm with him. I'm kind of ready for it to be over, but thankfully we had it. And uh, it is terrible the way things went down at UC. I think it was a bad day for the coaching community yep. when he got fired on Friday. But I will also say for all of the region, it's going to be an exciting year of basketball or at least an interesting year of basketball coming up yes you have a coaching search now at uc you have uk trying to rebuild things after a disastrous year you, you gotta got, play us again you gotta play us again travis right. Steele in uh year four and what feels like he's gotta make the tournament and maybe make some noise and iu's going a new direction so there's a lot of interesting things going on in this region, and I think it'll be. A and fun the funny part is, the most solid program in the country right now, at least in our uh, the most solid team in our region right now, is N K U. Exactly. How about that? Norse up. How about that? All right, Rick. I appreciate it much. Thanks to Chad Brendel, Rick Boring. I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us. It's been the Love Skinny you guys. Pod- He's back. Love you too, man. <laughs> it's been the Skinny Podcast, the College Basketball Edition.